Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, one of the themes of this show, which has been consistent over time, has been the debate about whether public opinion has shifted against Brexit since the referendum in 2016. Now, there's new research this week that's been unveiled by Sir John Curtis and Natsen, which suggests that there has been just that. So today we're going to look at that research, what it tells us about Brexit and public attitudes towards it, and what the implications might have uh, or might be for the debate about Brexit in Westminster. Continuing the Brexit theme, we look at what it all means for Northern Ireland. The Irish border question has been, of course, a consistent thorny issue in the Brexit negotiations. But does it really matter? Or, put another way, could Brexit lead to a united Ireland? We look at a recent poll from Delta Poll that suggests that it could. All that and more on this week's show, and I'm delighted, as ever, to be joined by my co-host, Leo Barassi. Leo, welcome. Hello, Kieran. So I think the big news in research circles, sort of wonkery and polling, was this Natsen report out this week. Um, Tell us a bit about that. So the poll is perhaps something that has given me more of a red face than I'd like to admit. And that's really because when I saw it, I thought that this was something so dramatic that it was uh, worth breaking my usual rule of not tweeting individual polls that show something different from others. And what the poll shows is apparently remain in a hypothetical repeat referendum would be on 59% and leave would be on 41%. So 59 remain, 41 leave. Now, obviously, that is a lot bigger than uh, pretty much every other poll has been showing. A lot of agencies have been asking how people would vote and the gap has generally been a lot smaller. Now, I normally have a bit of a thing of saying, outliers like this are usually wrong if you tweet one of them you you've got to commit yourself to tweeting the next few polls so that you're not just picking up on one that is interesting and therefore probably wrong which i think which i think you rightly scolded me for doing uh, about trump's approval rating last week it is true and you should not have tweeted (laughs) i was wrong carry on Uh, but i thought that this was an exception and this was a moment when it was justifiable to tweet a, a poll that would otherwise look like an outlier my rationale for that was this poll was done by Natsen, people who do the British Social Attitude Survey, um, which is pretty much the gold standard in surveying the British population. And so on the face of it, you could argue that whilst if this poll had come out of any other agency, it would look like an outlier, it was plausible that actually this is the poll that shows the correct opinion among the public and other polls are themselves incorrect. But... I don't think, having looked at it a bit more closely and having been um, politely corrected by some nice people on Twitter, uh, that I actually got it right. I think that this, in fact, backs up the other polls in what they're saying, which is that there is a a lead for Remain, but one that is a lot smaller than that 59-41 point gap suggests. So so what is it that says that? Is that there's, there's some detail in the research, presumably? Yeah, so what's going on is um, uh, the sample that they've got in the poll um, is, in fact, 53% leave versus 47% remain. So that's the sample in terms of how people voted in 2016. Now, I guess what the other agencies are doing to avoid that is waiting either to referendum vote or waiting enough enough other stuff to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, Natsen haven't done that, so they've ended up with a sample that itself has started by being more remainy than usual. So 
what they've said in the paper, and John Kirstis has been completely on the, honest and open about this, is once you take that into account and the fact that they're starting with a more remainy sample, then in fact, actually, it's more like this shows 54 remain, 46 leave, which is much closer to being in line with other agencies. One thing of note that is a kind of methodological thing that just took me a minute to get my head around was I wondered whether this was about false recalls. So actually, what they're finding is that more people are now saying that they voted remain than did and did in the referendum, which could mean that, in fact, they're right about how people would behave now with that 59-41 figure. But I don't think that can be the case because, as I understand it, the reported referendum vote from 2016 is actually taken on the basis of what people said when they joined the panel or when they were interviewed after the referendum. So I think actually, despite the drama about when this first came out, it looking like there was a very credible evidence of a bigger swing than we'd thought before. In fact, really, this backs up the sense that there has been some movement, but not a dramatic movement uh, towards Remain. So I love this sort of a polling matters debate because it's really nerdy and wonky and what we're here for. So the, just to repeat that, the, the idea is that even if... There are some polls where it could be the case where even if um, the recalled vote of the sample was 53-47 for Remain, that could still be right. The sample could still be right because there are leave voters within it that are essentially pretending or false recalling that they voted Remain last time um, because they don't want they don't want to admit they did or something like that. And therefore that, that end 59-41 figure is still right because that 53% Remain figure for the sample isn't. Um, but that's not what, what we're saying here is that doesn't sound like that's the case. So, I mean, Leo, let's assume um, with all that taken into account, let's assume that the real quote-unquote figure is 54% for Remain. That's still on the high end of, I think, what a lot of pollsters are showing at the moment um, and does suggest there's been some shift in attitudes. So if we look at the cross-breaks for what Remain voters and Leave voters, etc., um, are, are now saying, how, how has things changed? So you've got a few different bits of movement happening among various groups. So um, 90% of people who voted Remain are still saying that they would vote Remain, compared with only 81% of Leavers who say that they would still vote Leave. So there's a bit of movement there. And I think that's kind of intuitively what we'd expect to be driving um, this kind of swing. But I think it's also important that we keep in mind here that the other thing that's going on is that about half, 49% of people who didn't vote in 2016 are now saying that they would vote remain. And obviously that is perfectly legitimate in terms of calculating this total and getting to the 59%. But we've also, I think, just got to keep in mind the point that you've raised on previous episodes, which is if we're trying to model the electorate here and trying to model what would happen in a repeat referendum, then we've got to be a bit careful about assuming that people really would vote if they say that they're going to. So we've got to be clear about what this exercise is doing. Now, I do think that that is still somewhat missing the point because actually what matters is getting a taste of what the public now think. And if it started becoming clear that more and more people uh, were would support Remain and would prefer stopping Brexit, then... I do think that that in, its, in itself is more important than any kind of modelling of the electorate. But nonetheless, I think we just, particularly when it's quite fine margins like this, have to think about how it's made up. Yeah, so there's that abstained group. So if you ask people if they if they would vote remain, leave or wouldn't vote, 
as you say, 49% of those people that abstained, I guess either maybe they were too young to vote or maybe they, they just didn't vote because they didn't want to last time. 49% of them would vote remain, 23% would vote leave, 27% still wouldn't vote. So when, when we say half would vote remain, that doesn't mean half would vote leave. That means because the, the other half are split between leavers and w- wouldn't voters, basically. Um but I think, I mean, all, all of that said, there's, a, there's an important sense checking that we can do with the rest of the poll, which does, I think, give us some confidence in what we're seeing there, that there has been a movement to remain. And actually, if anything, suggests that maybe that movement is being slightly understated in the horse race question, which is that there are a couple of other questions that I think do just point to some evidence that... Um, there has been a wider sense that Brexit is a bad idea. Um, just uh, to pull one of them out that really stood out to me, um, expect Brexit to mean the economy will be uh, better off, not much difference, worse off. Now, June 2016, so around the time of the referendum, in fact, I think this was from just before the referendum. So I guess this is kind of what people were thinking when they went into the polling booth. 29% said better off, 29% said not much difference, 39% said worse off. So there was a 10-point lead for worse off, not huge. Now, two years on, 25% say better off, 23% say not much difference, 51% say worse off. So that 10-point lead has turned into a 26-point lead for worse off. So that has been moving, well, I guess it kind of got to the level that it's at now um, around the middle of last year and it stayed at about that point. But essentially, it feels like there has been a hardening of the moods that Brexit will hurt Britain, perhaps to a greater extent than we're seeing in the headline numbers. Yeah, and I think that this this survey does give me pause for thought. You know, people that follow me on Twitter will know I have been the first person to to be very very skeptical about there being a significant shift um, in favour of remaining. After all, I've been quite vocal, I think justifiably so, on the fact there's lots of numbers out there from campaigns on either side, but mainly on the Remain side that are stretching data beyond really what it's saying to try and sort of influence Labour MPs and that sort of thing. But I think if you do look at these numbers, it's it's starting to look like, and I think it's, it's we have to all be influenced by the evidence, right? It is starting to look like there could have there could be a decent a, 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 a significant shift towards Remain, but maybe not a decisive one. It's possibly the way I would characterise it. Maybe that's a distinction without a difference. But what I mean is, you know, there's definitely been some kind of movement. The scale of that we can't be sure about because we just don't know what proportion of these new voters would vote in a future referendum. Um, and whether or not it's enough to change what happens in Westminster, I, I really, really don't know. And the clock is ticking. I suppose the other thing with these horse race questions, as I always say, is that what this can't give you is these, the the, um, the logistics or the dynamics of a future campaign, you know, and what is the context of that campaign? Is it positive or, fa- or, or, or negative for either side? What do the parties do and who leads each campaign and so on? So that's the, that's the thing we don't get from these sorts of horse race questions. But it's clear that there's angst about Brexit. Um, and I guess what I would say to leavers who might be listening to this is, you know, don't take your mandate for granted because if there's a disorderly exit, then public opinion could shift very quickly. Right. And one of the other things that comes out of this is the kind of terms of Brexit are going to be important as well. I think a thing that... Um, it's not new. Other polls have shown it, but it's really striking and it's very counter, I suspect, what most people think public opinion is. Um, and that's the uh, responses to the question, 
sorry, it's quite long, but I think it's worth reading out in full. Do you think Britain should or should not allow people from the EU to come here freely to live and work in return for allowing British firms to sell goods and services freely in the EU? So essentially, should we allow free movement in exchange for being able to get access to the EU markets? Now, again, around the time of the referendum, that was 49% should versus 51% should not. So 51% said that we shouldn't allow free movement um, in order to get uh, access to EU markets. That has now changed again dramatically. 60% say uh, that we should allow free movement versus only 39% say we should not. So I think it's it just feels like that's an aspect of public opinion that really isn't reflected in the, in the debate and how politics is being played out. But perhaps if the terms of the deal end up meaning that the UK essentially doesn't have access to EU goods and services on very straightforward terms, um, but politicians think that they've got a mandate to do that because that's the only way of preventing free movement, then I think there's a case here that they're not really reflecting what the public want. And it's ironic when you look at the Conservative Party at the moment. I mean, Boris Johnson does seem to be very much on manoeuvres. I mean, I've referred to him as a shades of Miliband about him, David Miliband, that is. Um, you know, lots of strongly worded articles. Okay, in Boris Johnson's case, The Telegraph versus The Guardian. Uh, I'm sure a, a thumping speech at conference to a fringe of some kind. But is there any going to be? Is there going to be any tangible action? I don't who. I don't know. I just feel like there won't be when it comes to it. But it does feel like the Tories are getting harder on Brexit at a time when maybe the pub public opinion is softening to the point where if you were going to be pragmatic about it, maybe some kind of you know customs union, maybe even single market membership, maybe not, I don't know, um, would be something you could sell to the country. But the Tories seem to be pursuing that that sort of harder, that harder Brexit, maybe. Um one other thing on, on this, I mean, it's worth mentioning that Servation did have a, a poll out as well, um, which which has Labour four points ahead. Um, and people will remember that Servation obviously got the general election spot on. Um, you know, obviously, it doesn't mean that they are necessarily spot on this time, but it does, does mean we should you know, take them very seriously in what they say. And they have remain 50, leave 50, into if there was a future hypothetical um, referendum. And the difference there, as far as I can see, is that Servation's poll, um, which is also on, which is online, um, basically has Leavers and Remainers retaining Leave and Remain retaining their voters uh, from last time around ninety percent in each case to similar levels. Whereas the Natsem poll you've just taken us through has Remain more likely to hold its vote than Leave slightly. And I suppose this is something we need to pay attention to. Right, there is an argument if you want to believe it as it were that um that natsen by sampling people better um are getting a sort of more reflective uh composition of the leave vote and therefore maybe they're picking up some of that leave regret that other polls aren't but at the same time um the natsen poll was done in june mainly in june i think uh in early yeah, july so, into early july so you know pre-checkers um it is it, even though it's um a very high quality poll it is still one poll uh, to just over 2,000 respondents, so it's subject to all the usual laws of margin of error and sample fluctuations that we would expect. And so, you know, it might be that, that if they did it again next month, it would be different, right? So that's something we need to pay attention to, is is, are, is there any leave regret? I'm not seeing a lot of it. I'm not persuaded that there's loads of leave regret, but it's this new voter audience that I'm really interested in. Yeah, I think on this sort of leave leave regret, I wonder whether... And I kind of wanted to pick up on this and what you said earlier that I don't think I'd quite characterize it as 
a swing to remain, or at least not more than a small one. What I think you could more plausibly argue has been is quite a log- large swing, I don't know, towards the conditions that would make remain popular. That it's it's as if many people are now think feeling more favorably to either a very soft Brexit or to staying in the EU. But making that logical then leap to thinking uh, that they would vote that way hasn't yet happened. So I guess if you're the, the Best for Britain campaign, um, what you now need to do is get the people who are thinking that Brexit is a bad idea, not just to think that, but to think that they can and should stop it. Uh, and I feel that that's the thing that hasn't yet happened. And of course, the big the big character in this is Jeremy Corbyn for lots of different reasons. Obviously, we want, we're going to see in Labour Party uh, conference uh, soon. You know, will Labour change their policy? I mean, I, I'm always a believer that politics tends to fudge. Uh, and I wonder whether Labour will come out with some sort of resolution that says they're open to a second referendum under certain circumstances. Rather, I, I find it hard to believe they'll come out for a hashtag people's vote um, fully. But I might be wrong. I, I, I feel that's unlikely, but I can see them nodding to it in some way. And I guess if, if there is going to be remain after all, um, you can probably tell in my voice I'm sceptical, but it doesn't it require Jeremy Corbyn's full-throated support? And I, 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 just, I don't see it. Do you? Um, yeah, probably. But I guess I feel like that's a necessary condition, but not a sufficient one. I mean, it's not like he is someone who is commanding the unswerving loyalty of his PLP. Like, obviously, what he does and says will be influential. But there are many independently minded MPs in his party. And um, generally around the debate, a lot of people who don't look to him to take leadership sure he, he'll be influencing momentum activists and uh, many labor voters but i guess i'm not quite so convinced that he is the single person whose mind needs to be changed because he influences some people but a lot of people whose support would be needed he doesn't influence yeah i suppose if you're a tory remainer you're not going to flock to remain are you because jeremy corbyn says so but it, it feels like there does need to be some kind of leadership like proper authentic leadership of a new remain campaign that maybe we don't see at the moment but who knows um i guess we'll have to see what happens in the next month uh next couple of months and particularly what happens with checkers and boris johnson and all the rest of it um let's move on to our second topic of today which is about northern ireland um this is something we've covered a few times on this podcast and i think it's both an in, a sort of interest of mine uh, as people will know but also very relevant to the brexit negotiations isn't it you know this this sticking point of uh, what happens around customs and the irish border and so on and we had a really interesting poll from delta poll which looked at attitudes to to brexit in northern ireland uh vis-a-vis the um the, the question of a united ireland and what would happen basically in a scenario where we remain in terms of attitudes to a united ireland and attitudes um and what would happen in a scenario where we leave which obviously at the moment we're on course to do now this now delta poll did a poll in scotland and in northern ireland and both suggested that scotland would go independent and northern ireland would you know, vote for a united Ireland uh, in the event of Brexit. Now, I, I want to focus on Northern Ireland today. We're going to do another episode on Scotland uh, separately at some point. So I just wanted to take people through some of the headline figures uh, on this poll, because at first I was really sceptical, but the more I've looked at it, I think, okay, there's reasons to be sceptical on specific numbers, um, but actually I think there's, there's, there's a story here which I think is relevant. So Delta Poll surveyed uh, almost 1,200, 1,199 um uh nat rep sample in northern ireland online and 
this poll, as I said, suggested that if there's if Brexit happens, there'll be a united Ireland. So what do we mean by that? So the question said, imagine now that the UK decided to remain in the EU. Under these circumstances, how would you vote in a referendum on the constitutional arrangements of the island of Ireland? Please select only one answer. So in, the, so in, in a scenario where we remain, 52%... Uh, wanted Northern Ireland to remain part of the UK, 35% wanted a United Ireland outside the UK, and obviously the rest don't know or you know, won't, wouldn't vote. Imagine we decide to leave, and then the rest of the question is the same, 39% want Northern Ireland to be part of the UK, but 52% um, would support a United Ireland. So it's almost uh, exactly the reverse. And then there was an additional question which asked about a hard border. So if there was a hard border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, what would you say? And then uh, support for a United Ireland gets slightly stronger still. 56% supported a United Ireland versus 40% um, supported sort of re remaining in the UK. So on face value, these numbers would suggest that um, you know, Brexit could be very damaging for the Union and could even lead to a United Ireland. So... I look at this and I'm a bit sceptical and I don't know, am I right to be? Because what they've done, what the pollster has done here is taken one particular issue and they've said to respondents, this is the issue that you need to be thinking about when you're trying to decide on whether or not you'd support uh, Northern Ireland in the UK or as part of a United Ireland. They've said the issue that matters here is the UK's position within the EU. And I think that's why you're getting such a big difference. So uh, with the UK in the EU, you're getting 52% saying that they'd vote for Northern Ireland to remain. If you get if you've got the UK outside the EU, then you've got 52% saying that they'd vote for a United Ireland. That just doesn't feel right to me. And it feels like in the real world of a border poll, sure, um, Brexit would be an issue, but there'll be a lot of other issues going on as well, right? And it just feels like this is really artificially inflating the significance of it. I think the the to use that pollster term that we hate salience. The salience of this is is debatable. Um, I think I think a lot of what you say makes sense to me, and you're absolutely right to say um, that Brexit would certainly not be the only thing going on in a hypothetical referendum, where sorry, in a referendum where hypothetically like Northern Ireland could leave the UK and join the Republic of Ireland. But at the same time, I think the fact that there has been a shift of that scale is significant in the sense that it shows that, that Brexit is something that could motivate people to think again about the border poll issue. It's hard to imagine, put it this way, if Brexit had not happened, it's hard to imagine what else could have led to such a, a shift in polling on this question. Even if I, I will concede, I'm not convinced the, the, the shift is as sizable in reality for the, some of the reasons you've given. Um, we have to be sceptical about the scale of that shift, I still think that the fact that there was a shift at all is relevant, right? Okay, so what's going on here? What's behind that shift? So I think if you look at the numbers, so again, just for everyone listening, you know, you've got one question that says majority want to stay in the UK. Then when you put Brexit into the into the equation, people want to leave. And that's obviously because certain people change their mind. So the sample is split into essentially three audiences. Unionists that are, you know, these are the people that are sort of Protestant community mainly who want to stay part of the UK. Nationalists, usually the Catholic community that want to be part of a United Ireland. And then there's what this poll calls neutrals, so people that are neutral on the issue. Um, and if we remain in the EU, the neutrals tend to favour being in the UK by mar over a United Ireland by 49 to 23. But if we leave the EU, the neutrals, to call them that, um, want to be in a United Ireland 
by a margin of 59 to 22. And this this rises to 75% of the neutrals that want a united Ireland in the EU um, when we bring in the uh, equation of a hard border, which is what I mentioned earlier. So there's this kind of non-aligned group in, in this poll that are shifting wildly based on whether we remain in the EU or not. So you might ask, who are these neutrals? Well, almost half of them, and this is where we need to, need to take care, 43% of them are non-voters. These are people that didn't vote at the last general election. And obviously we can all be uh, maybe sceptical whether these people show up, but in a border poll, very unique set of circumstances, maybe they do. So a large chunk of these neutrals are non-voters. There's some alliance voters. So these are, this is the non-sectarian party uh, in Northern Ireland that... that um, typically gets about 7 or 8% of the vote in a general election. So not an insignificant group, but very much a minority um, party. So, um, you know, the DUP and Sinn Féin, for, for people that are interested, tend to get about two-thirds of the vote in Northern Ireland at a general election, even if they're getting the overwhelming majority of the seats. In fact, all but one. And then added to this, um, nationalists, to so the people that tend to want a united Ireland, or feel Irish at least, um, 13% of them support being part of the UK, 73% of them support a united Ireland under Remain, but that becomes 94% um, that want a united Ireland if we leave. So essentially nationalist opinion hardens if we, uh, in the event of Brexit. Um, there's always been a bit of the nationalist community, maybe the SDLP voters and that sort of thing, who are typically okay-ish with the status quo, even though they feel Irish. Um, but again, Brexit seems to harden opinion there. And on the unionist side, only 4% of unionists right now support a united Ireland, for whatever reason. Um, could be sample fluctuation or something like that. But that um, that rises to 14%, so almost one in seven in the event of Brexit. So I guess the point I would say is, why do I think this is significant? I think you can see shifts within the different audiences within Northern Ireland that intuitively feel like they make sense when you put in the context of Brexit. But I 100% agree, obviously, that's not going to be the only thing that comes into play in the event of a border poll. There will be all sorts of legacy issues um, that, that will, and, and identity issues and maybe even issues of violence that would happen in a border poll. We shouldn't take that for granted. So, I mean, I don't think the way the poll was presented was basically if we leave the European Union, Northern Ireland's gone. I don't think you can say that. But what I think it's fair to say from this poll is that Brexit is something that can shift opinion. And therefore, I think if, if uh, there's a certain kind of Brexit, particularly one where there is a tangible um, issue of a, of a border or a noticeable border that really affects real people's lives in a real way, then it's not unreasonable to think there'll be a shift in opinion. Whether that leads to a united island, I mean, you've got to be careful about saying that, but I think it could. So, I mean, can we sense check this? Can we... Um, get a feeling from other polls that have asked the border question perhaps without the EU and just get a feeling of whether these numbers kind of ring true. So I recommend an article by uh, that I found on Lucid Talk, which is a, a sort of a pollster in Northern Ireland that's definitely worth following if you're interested in this, you know, in, in what's going on over there. Um, and they've done a good blog. There's been a good blog post on their website which looks at this question. And what strikes me is that there's, a, depending on the methodology of the poll or how the, the question's asked, you get wildly different figures uh, in terms of support for a united Ireland. Um, so, for example, Ipsos Mori um, and a, a Northern Ireland Life and Time survey put support for a united Ireland in the 20s, like mid-20s. Um, whereas a recent poll from BBC for the BBC by Lucid Talk put support for, for United Ireland at 42% versus 45% um, 
sort of supporting the, the union. Uh, Lord Ashcroft did a poll which showed 49% supporting the union, 44% supporting a united Ireland. So you, you get wild, a wide variation, right? Very wide, wide variation. And, and part of the reason that is suggested by Lucid Talk, um, granted defending their own poll a little bit, but we'll come to why I think that's fair. Um, one of the suggestions there is that the Lucid Talk and Ashcroft polls are both online, whereas the others are face-to-face, I believe. So there is a suggestion that, you know, the interviewer effect is downweighting the uh, real support for a united Ireland beyond what that's is... That's interesting, right? Because normally we think that face-to-face is a better quality way of doing sampling, right? Yeah, and I think that the point Lucid Talk make, and this is probably the easiest way to surmise this, is that um, if, if support for united Ireland in Northern Ireland is in the 20s, that means there's a good chunk of Sinn Féin voters that don't support a united Ireland... And that doesn't really pass the smell test. And maybe that's not a satisfactory way of like looking at polling. But I think that sometimes you do have to look at the numbers you're getting in a real world, con- real world uh, context and say, you know, um, d- d- does this make sense to us? Um, so is there a question about how we sample in Northern Ireland? Because I guess one of the things that was on my mind here is most of the polling that we see Westminster focused is taken just in England, Wales and Scotland. So I assume that most of the big agencies aren't really sampling that much in Northern Ireland. So is it is it the case that there are uh, that there are good quality samples that can be got there or is that a problem? It's definitely a problem. And I think that most people shy away from doing polling in Northern Ireland for exactly the reason that you've said. So a lot of um, a lot of Westminster voting intention polls, some will exclude Northern Ireland completely. Um, and often people don't realise that. Some will include it, but it will be a very negligible sample size, so maybe like you know, 50-odd respondents in some cases, because it's there, but it's not really influencing anything. And again, that's another reason why sometimes people just don't bother including it, because it's really not worth doing. But you're right. I mean, there is, there is a, it's a difficult area to sample, because um, if you're doing something online, you've obviously got to rely on a good online panel um, that, that can get a representative sample. And if you're doing face-to-face or telephone, again, it's, it's expensive. And... Um, you know, that, that's something that's really challenging. I think with this Delta poll, there are issues with the sample. Um, so if you look at the unweighted sample, it was about, um, so let me see, make sure I get this uh, get this right. So it was about 75% male uh, in the unweighted sample, even though I think it's, it's slightly, it's 50-50 roughly, uh, male, female, slightly more female in Northern Ireland. Um, there was 74% of the unweighted sample, I think I have it right, um, were remain. And this was obviously weighted down. I think um, overall in Northern Ireland, the real the real Remain uh, vote was 56% in the referendum. So the point is that you know Delta Poll had to weight this sample quite heavily to get to something that was representative. And these, these weights that they've put here are a lot heavier than you normally get see in polls like this, right? Like I'm just looking through some of these numbers. And so they've had to double... I mean, so the way weighting works uh, is effectively... Um, you you want to create a sample that's representative of the population. So essentially that means you get some respondents and you, put it crudely, make their uh, response count more. Mm. So very so roughly here, this is an easy one, the 18 to 24s, their unweighted sample was 47 people. They wanted it to be 100 people. So it's more complicated than this, but roughly everyone in that, that group, they've counted twice. Yeah, they sort of doubled the. Yeah, they've, they've counted them twice, um, and this gets into all sorts of technical issues about effective bases. So if you have like a thousand people, uh, and you know nine hundred of them are men, 
then and only but you only want them to count for 500 then you obviously downweight them and what you end up with is a sample that may, might have been a thousand in the first place but you end up with an effective base and that's the, the term we use in the industry which is a lot less um so it's really like and, and the other thing with this sort of thing is that if you've got small samples that you're upweighting then a handful of people can count for a lot of the a lot of the scores that you're getting and can skew it somewhat so i don't know if you've got a certain type of a group of women who are 18 to 24 who might all be very well educated or something but then but you have to weight them up a lot because that's the people you've got then you end up with a slightly skewed sample so so there there are issues i guess basically there are issues with the sampling here which mean that you know some of the weighting is quite strong and that might be might be part of the reason why you know we get to see such such huge swings uh, in some of these numbers, and when I, as I said earlier, the fact that around ten percent of this vote is neutral on the constitutional issue, um, you, you know, means that that audience is quite important to why these numbers shift, and therefore, you know, it's important that those neutral people are representative too. Yeah, I mean, one that really leaps out on me is that they've they've clearly had a problem getting to people who didn't vote either in the EU referendum or in the last general election. And that group they've had to wait up between two and three times. And it's really clear that those people were among the group that really swung between the referendum questions. So uh, it looks to me like these non-voters were very heavily uh, Northern Ireland as part of the UK if the UK was in the EU but quite heavily the other way round if um, the UK was outside the yeah. EU. So, and bear in mind that what you've got there is essentially something like 70 to 80 people whose opinion is being counted two to three times. You can see how there could be a problem here. Again, and again, I think this goes back to my fundamental reading of this poll, which if you're, if you're asking me, does this mean that a majority of people will support a united Ireland in the event of Brexit? I don't think you can say this proves that. There are issues with the sampling, as I mentioned. But it still, with all the problems it's got, it still does show um, that, they, that, that, it's, that it's an issue that can shift opinion, right? It is relevant to um, the, the potential for changing opinion uh, uh, on, on the border issue in Northern Ireland. And to defend the sample slightly, if we look at the, uh, the cross-breaks of sort of nationalists and unionists and, and where they're found, for example, so we take the nationalists, um, you know, half... Um, Half of them found in Belfast, a good chunk of them found in Belfast, a lot of them found in places like Down and uh, uh, Derry or London Derry, depending on your perspective. Like that, the, the unionist and nationalist vote in this uh, in this poll are found in the right places. So I don't want to create the impression that we're totally debunking the sample completely. It's just saying that, look, there are skews in it that make that you know, are problematic and we need to take that into account. But I think that it's still fair to say, and this is the upshot really, it's fair to say um, that this is a legitimate poll which shows that Brexit can change minds, but Brexit in itself will not be the only issue that's in people's minds if there was a border poll. So I guess, I mean, bringing this to Westminster, because that's the centre of the world, um, <laughs> we've got a Northern Irish party that is pro-union, uh, that is backing a government that is pro-Brexit. Um, so effectively, a party that very strongly wants a union, but is also facilitating Brexit. I mean, what, what does a poll like this mean for them? Well, I must confess, I find the DUP's position on Brexit one of the most... Um 
one of the most fascinating things in politics. I mean, that might be a very nerdy thing to say, but I generally do because, I mean, if you look at these numbers, and there have been other polls, I should I should mention, where that have shown that, you know, when you put the broader question in a specific context of Brexit, it can shift opinions. And we've talked about that already, right? But this isn't the only poll that shows that. So what's always fascinated me was how the DUP, as you say, it's, um, it's so pro-Brexit, and yet... Brexit could be the one thing that undermines the thing they value most, which is which is the union. Um, there's all sorts of ways you could take this, but I think that, that what I wonder is how complacent unionism generally, which the DUP is clearly the, the leader of in Northern Ireland, how, how complacent unionists are at, at what the impact of Brexit would be uh, for Northern Ireland's existence or for its part uh, for its um, existence as part of the UK, because clearly younger people. Um, you know, support Remain. Northern Ireland overwhelmingly voted Remain. There's evidence that um, Brexit could shift opinion there. How much, we don't know. Would it be decisive? We don't know. And we also know that, again, from this Delta poll, and I'm a bit sceptical at the scale of this, but we also know that the nationalist community tends to be that bit younger than the unionist community as well. That seems to be the case in this poll, at least. So there's lots of reasons for the DUP to be nervous about, you know, the position of Northern Ireland in the union, particularly when the Conservative Party, which is supposed to be the Conservative and Unionist Party, is um, moving further and further towards a sort of harder Brexit to the point where Boris Johnson has been on record, or at least taped, saying he doesn't know why Northern Ireland's border is so important or being treated so importantly in the Brexit negotiations. So you wonder at what point Conservative, the Conservative Party in Westminster, I'll, I'll use these terms, almost becomes an English nationalist party where the traditional old-school one-nation unionism is less important to them than this kind of idea of being outside of the EU and a hard Brexit. Now, that's obviously a huge, potentially very split, splitting and damaging debate for the Conservative Party to have, right? And we can't go into that all here. But I don't know. I wonder whether the, the unionist side is being a little bit complacent in, in, in the support it's given um, for the Tory policy here. On the flip side, I mean, Sinn Féin aren't in Westminster, of course, but I, I, it does make me wonder how much thought has been given across the Irish Sea on the question of a united Ireland and what that would look like in practice. And I'll just throw this out there as sort of almost speculation. You know, if there is a united Ireland, or if there is a border poll where a united Ireland is proposed, what's the context of that? Because one of the things I thought that the SNP weren't very good at was rebutting some of the arguments for the status quo. So I'm thinking of currency here in the question of Scotland. Um yeah. yeah, they didn't really create a clear vision of what exactly was going to happen with some of the really important details, right? No, and I think currency obviously wouldn't necessarily be, wouldn't be an issue in the border poll because presumably, you know, you, well, Ireland's in the well, euro. Surely it would be pretty much the same. Well, I, I, Ireland, Ireland's in the euro, so you know, I mean, that 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 issue isn't a isn't a problem. Yeah, but it's not it's not a question, I suppose. It's it's just a potential problem that they have to resolve. Yeah, but I wonder you know, if you want to a currency that is being seen as failing. And you know maybe Sinn Fein have already published this, so people can people can sort of tweet me and put me right. But I wonder is the is the idea behind a United Ireland that Northern Ireland as an entity still exists, but as a devolved region of a United Ireland? So there's even a devolved Parliament and stuff like that. Or is the idea that actually no, that doesn't happen? Northern Ireland essentially is dissolved, and people in that area of Ulster and all the rest of it send um, people to. Um, the Irish Parliament. I don't know what the answer to that question is, but I mean, it's a huge question, and, and it has, and again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? When if there's a border poll, 
Brexit alone isn't the only thing, right? The logistics of what a United Ireland look like come into play. And, I, you know, I, I just want, I'm not saying that they have or haven't, or maybe it doesn't matter because there won't be a border poll anytime soon. But I just wonder how much thinking has been put into that because the numbers clearly show a United Ireland is possible. I will, I will stand by that. That is a hill I will die on. Wherever it will happen, I don't know. Um, anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's uh, Political Betting Polling Matters podcast. Hope you enjoy what we've been talking about today. If you do, please give us a positive uh, comment on social media. Give us a share, give us a like or a rating on iTunes and other podcast apps. Really helps get the podcast out there. So, But for now, thanks as ever for listening. Uh, thanks to Leo for joining me and everyone have a good weekend.